0: This is Thoughts on the Table by DisgracesOnTheMenu.com. Hello and welcome to Thoughts on the Table. As you can hear, I'm using my portable microphone today because, again, I'm on the road. This is a special episode recorded in Milan. And it's even more special because with me is Fiona from Nuts Above Food. Hi, Fiona.
1: Hi there. Hi, Paolo. Nice to have you here. Welcome.
0: I mean, uh, she was so kind. I have the pleasure to, to ask her a lot of questions. So Fiona uh, is a native of New York, and uh, she moved to Italy quite young. So how long ago did you move to Italy?
1: Um, I moved here when I was a child, and I've been living here ever since, so most of my life.
0: I see. And were you in Milan the whole time, or were you in other cities as well?
1: No, actually, when we moved from New York, we went to Venice. So I spent my first years in Venice.
0: Did you go to school in Milan?
1: Um, I did go to school the last two years of high school and university, so I graduated here. Um, But I went to part of my elementary school and secondary school in Venice.
0: Have you been back to the United States since?
1: Yes, yes. I usually go every year. I try to go at least once a year. Sometimes it's a little bit longer, but my dad lives there, so I I try to get back as much as possible.
0: I see. You've been, um, you know, before you came to... um, to Italy. Did you expect something much different or were you so young that anyway you didn't have much for an expectation?
1: I didn't really have a lot of expectations because, as you say, I was quite young. Uh, also, when I was living in New York as a child, Italian cuisine wasn't very popular yet. Um, the, the place you went to when you went out to dinner to have fancy foreign food was definitely French restaurants. So... I had been going a lot to French restaurants and knew nothing about Italian food, really, except for the um, Italian-American classics like spaghetti and meatballs.
0: (laughs) Well, you're disappointed there's no such thing.
1: (laughs) Um, I... I'm not sure, but I think I probably actually was, because I remember liking spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so, this, you know, my blog is uh, against this type of um, misunderstanding, um, but definitely when, you, when you're seven, you probably like your meatballs the way they are, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, and then you moved to, uh, to Milan, uh, the big city. You studied here know, high school and university. Um, how different was Milan from, let's say, Venice?
1: Well, also, um, after living in Venice, I actually went to boarding school in the mountains for a few years. So I was living in a much smaller town than Venice. Where about? Um, in the Dolomites. Wonderful. And so coming to Milan was a bit of a culture shock. I mean, not really, actually, because being born and growing up in New York, my first years, I was used to a big city and um, Milan at that point was a smaller city and less international than New York was. But still, when you're used to living in the mountains or in a city like Venice, of course, you get used to a different way of life. So yes, Milan was definitely much more cosmopolitan than, mm-hmm. than those towns were at the time. I mean, there was a lot more going on and just getting used to traffic again, because between yeah. Venice and Cortina, you don't really see that many cars. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, of course. Um, uh, what about the food of Milan? Did you find Milan has a strong identity or because it's multicultural, you can actually find uh, more uh, varied uh, type of foods in Milan?
1: Well, I mean, I'd say nowadays, definitely, yes. Um, I think Milan has changed a lot, as I was saying before, um, in the past 15, 20 years. So when I arrived, I don't think there were that many ethnic restaurants. I mean, there definitely were some because Milan has, I think, the oldest Chinatown in Italy, I believe. Mm. I'm not sure exactly when it dates back to, but it's definitely very old. So we have a very large... Chinese community here, but aside from that, I don't think there were um, a lot of ethnic restaurants at the time. Not that I remember. I mean, now it's very popular. You can pretty much eat anything here. I mean, it, I a lot of Thai places have opened that didn't used to exist um i'm thinking vietnamese korean although they're not as popular as they are probably abroad like in the united states mm-hmm. um but you can still find a lot of different um ethnic places there's quite a lot of variety
0: Interesting. i've yeah. noticed you know i lived i used to live in milan um uh, i only lived here for a couple of years and i noticed now that i'm back uh that there's far more uh, a lot of japanese and chinese often together which is a strange thing mm-hmm. for me and uh but definitely um, uh, you know the multiculturality has increased which is always wonderful to see also you know i think uh, there's more uh, foreigners uh, living here and which is also great um mm-hmm. the city can definitely support that uh mm-hmm. for sure um but did you find that going back to the cuisine of milan Um, Did you recognize uh, strong traditions? Was it something that you found Milanese being very proud of their cutlet, for instance, or other type of food?
1: Well, yes. I mean, there are definitely those very traditional dishes um, like the cotoletta alla Milanese, the risotto al zafferano, the yellow risotto made with mm-hmm. saffron, which then becomes riso al salto the next day, which is a very, very um, special dish here that people love. And you really can't find anywhere except for the very traditional restaurants here. Mm-hmm. Um, and other dishes like mondeghili, or, I mean, there, there are certain very traditional dishes here. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the other hand, compared to other Italian you don't feel that tradition as much and that's probably because there's so many people um, from all over Italy converging in Milan and so they all bring their food and so there really isn't maybe as strong an identity although probably a person from Milan who has been here for many many generations would not agree and they would feel no we have a very specific cuisine but they're not as many dishes, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably in Rome, when you go to Rome, you know you're in Rome because you eat very specific things, um, very seasonal too. I mean, every month has very specific dishes in Rome, like puntarelle or artichokes or um, lamb, Mm etc. I mean, you have very specific times and the Milanese dishes are actually not as seasonal, like, and not as specific, I find.
0: I completely agree, yeah. I'm not from the city, but I am from the province of Milan, mm-hmm. and I definitely uh, agree with you completely. Um, and what about the different areas of the town? Mm-hmm. Um, did you find the city being uh, sectorialized uh, much?
1: Um, well, how how exactly do you mean that? Um, per food type or...
0: Well, I'd say um, the look, the geography, and the food and and traditions around food, uh, as well as, uh, I suppose, uh, a lifestyle or culture.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, um, the more I've been living in Milan, the more I've noticed that um, each neighborhood is almost like a village to itself. So you can really... Um, cross a large street, like one of the larger streets in Milan, and on one side of that street, there's one neighborhood, and then it completely changes on the other side. And um, so yes, the neighborhoods are very different. Food-wise, I would say more, um, it has more to do with immigration, because the immigrants all tend to settle in different areas, so Mm -hmm. there's some areas that are um, better known for their Indian food or Chinese food, for example, you would definitely go to Chinatown to find the great Chinese restaurants. And there are some areas like around Viale Padova where there are a lot of Indian places because there is a large Indian community there. Mm-hmm. And then there are areas, um, that have very good South American food like Ecuadorian or Peruvian food, et cetera, because there is a large, um, South, there are several large South American communities. Um, so, Yes, that changes. I think ethnically speaking, I mean, food-wise, yes. Um, Italian food, no. I think it doesn't really make such a difference in my yeah, personal yeah. experience. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe there's the, uh, you know, the tradition of aperitivo, which is stronger in certain parts of town. That's because they happen to be more pittoresque, like the Navigli area. Yes, um, yes. So the
1: aperitivo has a whole life of its own. That's yeah. a whole different... It's good for you to mention that, actually, because it is a very Milanese concept. Or at least it was born in Milan and then expanded to the rest of Italy. So
0: Yeah, and it was one of those traditions that I really love. I wrote a little post on it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you're right, it, it happens in other cities too. But it's certainly something that, that speaks a lot to the life of a Milanese who lives a very frantic life and then uh, needs to wind down. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the thing. After work. And what's the best way then to have a drink mm-hmm. and, uh, and to eat something with it? Because, it's, you know, you can start to get hungry too. And it's not a good thing to drink mm-hmm. with an empty stomach. So, uh, but it becomes a meal on its own, as you know. And, uh, and it takes up the, the time that is in North America, usually devoted to dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, so 6.30, 7.00 till 8.00. Mm -hmm. Uh, pretty much is when it takes place Mm -hmm. at least in milan it could be later in other parts of italy and then you go for dinner so <laughs> at least traditionally uh, you do, although I think younger generations maybe yeah. just skip dinner after they that They do.
1: Um, I think it's become more of a habit. I mean, aperitivo, a lot of students go to aperitivo and maybe younger people who don't have families of their own so they can just stay out and then you have a couple of drinks and you eat from this huge buffet where you can choose anything you like and usually by the time you've finished your drinks, you are quite full and you don't need to go to dinner. And it's a great way To socialize, have a good time, have some good drinks, and also not spend that much money. So, for especially for younger crowds, it's really appealing. Mm -hmm. Exactly,
0: exactly. And you know, some areas of of the the city are uh, more—you can find a better uh, Mm -hmm. version of it—but it definitely takes place pretty much everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, Any bar, which Mm -hmm. normally sells coffee, uh, turns into uh, an aperitivo um, a place around that time, and and then you know sometimes even turns again into. Uh, in actual bar Mm -hmm. uh, so for for liquors and beer and wine after that Mm -hmm. so uh, the bar is definitely another interesting part of uh, of italian culture and uh, certainly one that is very important in milan Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely yes and you can find them literally at every corner Mm -hmm. of the street Mm -hmm. i know yes what
1: you were actually calling the bar before the Mm -hmm. bar which is a totally different concept but yes it's um, where you have your coffee your espresso, usually, your espresso, you know, espresso, um, or your other million varieties that you can order <laughs>
0: Absolutely Okay Fiona, uh, we have a picture of Milan and, and thanks for, for bringing me back to it because mm-hmm. uh, I'm a little bit homesick, I uh, miss Milan a lot and so it's, it's nice to also know um, what has changed over the course of the last you 10-15 know, years um, I wanted to also talk about uh, the food blogging activity uh, mm-hmm. For you, so everybody uh, has a different goal with their with blog and um it's always interesting to know what motivated you to start uh blogging and um what is your purpose what is your goal with with your blog mm-hmm.
1: well um the blog actually started as a little corner all to myself um I started writing the blog after right after I had had my second child, and um In that period, I wasn't working because in Italy, you get a quite long maternity leave. So I was being a full-time mommy, which I wasn't used to because I do work. And um, I just felt like I suddenly didn't have any space for myself anymore. I was suddenly just a mom, and I really needed that little escape. I mean, I love being a mom, and I love my kids to death, but I just needed that maybe half an hour a day where I could totally just do my own thing. And I've always loved writing. Um, I've always written since I can remember just my own private personal things, not that Mm -hmm. I ever published them, but I always loved writing. Um, And I love food. I mean, I love anything food. So whether it's uh, cooking or going to restaurants, tasting something new, there's very little I wouldn't taste in the world. Mm -hmm. So I I just I'm really passionate about food. I'm not a fantastic cook. But um, over the years, I've been teaching myself. And um, I just see that with the blog, I've been learning more and more. So it really was just a a space I created for myself at the beginning. And Just my own little secret. Let's put it that way.
0: (laughs) Nice. Thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. And then it, um, you know, it grew um, and you created connections and Mm -hmm. definitely uh, you're going strong and uh, and publishing. How many recipes uh, have you published so far? Do you know?
1: Oh, my goodness. I actually don't know. Um... I I could check. I know that I started out publishing about three recipes a week and I've slowed down a bit lately just because between kids and work and everything, it's sometimes hard to keep the pace up, but at least one recipe a week usually. Uh, So between one and two, I would say now on average.
0: Which is a a great production volume, absolutely
1: blogging for about four years now so i don't know we have to do the math but you know math isn't my strong point
0: (laughs) yeah okay um and um uh, did you did you uh discover uh something did the blog uh, help you um uh, discover parts of of your own cooking or it affected the way you you cook or uh is it more the other way around that uh, uh the way you cook is totally shaped the blog
1: well, I'd say probably a bit of both because um, I, because I'm very busy with my family life and my work, etc. I cook quite simple foods. Um, I try to keep them very healthy, very um, good ingredients, etc. So that definitely um, reflects into the blog because I never really put in very complicated or fussy recipes. I mean, it's really a blog for people who have a very busy life, but still want to eat well. And so they don't want to go out and grab some fast food or, you know, prepackaged foods that they can make. I mean, you still want to make something good and that's nourishing and tasty and not spend hours in the kitchen. So that reflects into the blog, but definitely the blog has also allowed me, to push my boundaries. So in the blog, I actually did start posting about recipes that I never ever would have dreamed of making before. And that's why I say my cooking has gotten better over time too, because when you push your boundaries, you just you just learn. I mean, it's a a learning curve. So for example, I made my own ketchup or I mean, who would have ever thought I would make homemade ketchup? It seemed crazy. Um, Even when I was doing it or just little things like that. I mean, really doing things I wouldn't have done before, like baking bread, for example.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And what about the feedback that you receive from other food bloggers and visitors? Um, Do you find that it um, it affects you or um, it stimulates you? Or in some ways, it, um, it steers you uh, in, in, in ways that you didn't predict?
1: Mm. Well, obviously, when you're writing a blog, you want to know that there's somebody out there reading what you're writing. Otherwise, you wouldn't start a blog. So um, the feedback is definitely uh, very much appreciated, and it helps you go on. On the other hand, I also try not to get caught in the trap of writing In order to get feedback. So, I still want the blog to be something that's mine and a passion of mine and not a job. I mean, I don't need another job right now because my life is busy as it is. So, I don't want to get into that tricky, um, vicious circle where you're just doing things to satisfy an audience. And so, you're not being true to yourself, but you're actually doing it for the numbers. That's not me. But, I mean, obviously, as I grow and as I have more followers and, um, you know, people leave comments, that obviously gives me the push to do it on the days when maybe I don't feel like it as much just because there is a lot of work behind a blog. So sometimes you just you're lacking that energy. And when you know there are people out there um, who appreciate what you're doing and who are expecting something from you, you get that extra push.
0: Yes, and now you're being pushed to do a podcast. So
1: <laughs> No, it's actually an honor to do a podcast. Thank, Thank you. Because you. I enjoyed it from the first moment I saw you starting them. So I've been listening to them and really enjoying them.
0: Thanks so much for your flattering. Uh, it's been an honor talking with you. Thanks so much. We're out of time for this episode, of course. Uh, but maybe we can continue the conversation over uh, the internet uh, when I'll be back in Vancouver. Uh, of course, any feedback, uh, if you're listening to this episode, you can post a comment here or write a, an email using contact me above or directly to Fiona in her uh, website, Nuts About Food. Thanks again, Fiona.
1: Thank you so much, Paola. And it was so nice to have you here in your home, in your hometown. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and
0: thanks for the hospitality oh. and for the coffee. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> bye bye. Bye.